Can I tell you something? I said it yesterday. I'm going to say it probably for the next couple of weeks. That's some badass guitar riff right there. I'm just saying that, like, I get all hyped up. By the way, guy here, Dan there. It's Thursday, the 3rd of November. November's going by like that. That's a joke, by the way. I know some of you lolled. This is Market Call. We're going to be joined in just a few brief minutes by EY from SoFi. Today's episode is brought to you by FactSet. Financial data and analytics that are powered by tomorrow. And SoFi, Dan, I love this. Get your money right all in one app. See, if I wrote it, I'd put application and then go to your favorite application store. It's sort of like your favorite podcast store, which, again, is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. But that's because I'm 58, soon to be 59 years old. How are you, Dan? Uh, you know, Guy, you and I have our share of podcasts. Uh, you know, for a 58-year-old man, you probably have more podcasts than, than most Pods. others. Pods. And, 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 and the fact is that there is a reason why one would have a favorite podcast store. It might have something to do with, I don't know, maybe the operating system they have on their smartphone. Is that, is that, uh, the, OI, is that the OIS? Is that what people yeah, call Yeah, let's that? do it here because we are on the clock today. We're going to be out <laughs> by 1.30 Eastern today. Guy, we got to talk about this. Yesterday was, was kind of a fun market call we had tom saznoff on from tasty trade we were trying to you asked him the question what are bonds gonna do right? no i didn't that no oh, no, no. don't him. even do that because we don't have I, enough time for me to get exercise i know all right so let's talk about there's it a here. lot of cash on the sidelines folks is yeah. this a buying opportunity oh, okay so you is. did it already I'm sorry it please no no one, one, one listen one thing I, I think is really interesting and you know you and i try to be really transparent and i think that you know we do this monday through thursday we're on fast money most nights um you know you tweet all day long uh you tweet a little bit more than elon does um but again i mean there's no mystery about our thoughts about what we think might happen right in the markets now you thought when we were near the lows that the s p might rally into the midterms into the fed meeting i thought we might have a, a opportunity in late october where i'm going to get you exercised here the fed whisperer nick Tim timoros or whatever might kind of offer up a little trial balloon about a more dovish Fed. Well, all that stuff kind of came together. But you and I said this yesterday. I did not like the action in the market when you looked at the mega cap tech stocks, how poorly they act, how some of these stocks in the NASDAQ, which got killed when interest rates started going up, how poorly they were acting. It really felt like there was going to be some dovish commentary. All that being said, and I'm going to turn it over to you. I have a trade on in the options market in UUP playing for downside. I'm risking what I was willing to lose. I'm playing for a lower US dollar and, and yields also going lower, long calls in the GOVT. Those trades are not working out. And I just want to be very transparent about that. But we're doing other things in the markets, aren't we? Guys? We'll talk about that for sure. And listen, I, I was right there with you. And I was surprised yesterday. Listen, I don't write these things. And I'm not sure what they needed, you know, what agreement needed to be made in terms of the statement they put out. But the subsequent press conference did a complete 180. So if you thought the language was dovish, yeah. I think Jerome Powell did his best to sort of squash that. So Again, I mean, this is what they have to do. And you listen to the Bank of England today. I mean, you listen to the commentary of the Bank of England today. Forget about 2023. I mean, they think there's a recession into 2024. I mean, I mean, the things that are coming across the bow here are pretty interesting. And to your point about big cap, mega cap tech, yeah. and we said this at the time, this is not revisionist history. When Apple reported, Dan, I said, you know what's going to wind up happening? This is going to be the exact same thing that happened to Microsoft. The initial reaction was lower two quarters ago for Microsoft. The subsequent move with the broader market rallying was higher. 
And look what happened to Apple. The first move off that report, stock traded down to about 138. And then two and a half, three days later, it had a 158 or so handle. Yep. Now look at it back below 140. So it's all coming together, I think, in terms of how we outlined it. And Microsoft doesn't trade particularly well. Amazon, clearly not. Google's been a disaster. And look, you look at what's going on in Facebook. I mean, an unmitigated disaster. So yeah. I happen to think that's all really good because I think it suggests we're in the later innings of this stuff, but I'm sure other people would argue. Otherwise. Well, I agree with that. So we had somebody on Twitter just ask us, I literally just bought Google, the alphabet at 8510. Yeah. Um, my average in, um, you know, I started buying Amazon a little too early last week. My average is just below 97. I started buying Meta last week. My average is about 97. So I've been averaging down in those three names. And again, the only way you're going to catch a bottom or a turn is by averaging in to some of these stocks here. And and again, you know, Meta is probably the one I'm least convicted of from mm -hmm. a fundamental standpoint. I think Google, you know, if you think that you can start buying it here at 85 and the pre-pandemic high was about 76 and you average in to that kind of pocket of support, I think that makes some sense. Amazon, I feel fairly similar. So, again, you know we're never going to get these things right to the penny. Um, but I think those names are starting to look really interesting to me. And I'm also long um, snap um, at about just a little over um, eight or so. But to me, I find those interesting trading opportunities. I also think that if I build a big enough position, a portion of them will be uh, investments, Guy. You know, I, I'm, you see my eyes going to the side. It's because I'm looking at the comments. And definitely share your comments, folks, because this is a great platform for us. And a lot of people obviously are here. So thank you. But one of the guys, I think it was Jim, said, pal, did a shake and bake, which I love. Yeah. That's obviously a, that's a uh, from Talladega Nights, Dan, yeah. for you folks out there playing our home game. But look, again, I happen to think everything we're seeing suggests we're in the later stages of the, everything you're seeing needed to happen. It's painful. Price discovery is painful. There is no straight line, but you're shaking out a lot of things. And not to sort of cast aspersions here, but you think about what Roku did yesterday. I think Roku is the third largest holding in the ARK ETF. It's virtually impossible to be more wrong in holdings than she has been over the last year or so. Yeah. Again, that's just fact. That's not, I'm not stating, you know, the non, I mean, that is just, look at that. It's incredible yeah. that she keeps going back to the well. Anyway, Dan, I know we didn't come here to talk about that. I just thought. I'd no, no. And, and you know what? It is interesting though. We talked about the rotation. We talked about it with Liz last week too, just the relative outperformance we're seeing in small caps and the, and the S and P over the last few weeks from that October 13th low. I would just remind you, look at this chart here, guy over the last, let's call it, um, I don't know, 10 trading days. Look at the S&P is down about 4% from its high in, on the 28th of October. The NASDAQ has doubled that up. It's down 8%. So mm -hmm. to me, I do feel like, you know, Apple joining the party over the last few days, we're kind of getting it to interesting levels, in my opinion, where, uh, you know, again, I started these positions in the last week, the three big ones in the QQQ. The other thing is, you could just start averaging in to the QQQ. I mean, like, you know, again, we know that six of these names make up, you know, 40% of the weight of it. We can, if we can pull up an NVIDIA chart real quick, and I love doing this on the fly because we have a question about it. By the way, this is a name that Dan has been spot on about in terms of how ridiculous it was when it reached its all-time high and where it is now. I mean, you know, when NVIDIA, look, forget about October, November. I think we all agreed that the price to sales, it made zero sense. But it's getting towards levels, Dan, where I think you even submit. It's sort of interesting here. And if you look at where we traded down to and subsequently bounced, you know, that made a lot of sense. You said yourself you were looking for like a 105 to 110 
There's an entry. We got damn close. I mean, does this make sense to you? You think there's another leg lower here? You know, it's funny. I, I thought 110, and, and, and Danny Moses said this on, on the tape because I said that's where I'd start buying. It happened so quickly on one of those big reversal days. And, and again, you know, to me, um, uh, this is a stock you're just going to have to dollar cost averaging. You're never going to nail the bottom. And so um, that sharp rally relative to the SMH and, and many of its peers um, really kind of caught me off guard. So they're going to report next month. I think I'd wait for this one here. Let's see what happens. Happens. But the semis are trying to put a little bit of a bottom in today, AMD up 4%. Um, percent. So that maybe that's how you get the NASDAQ rallying with the semis, which have outperformed to the downside. Guy, let's hit this before we get to Liz really quickly. Yep. Just yields. You want to talk about credit a little bit here, but um, you know the, the gap between the 210 spread, it's getting to its wides, as the kids say. What are we, about 56 basis points? You thought we'd probably go a bit higher than here. I don't know, man. We've been talking about this 10-year yield a lot. Again, I've been long calls in the GOVT that's playing for lower yields. It really held that 4% level, um, which is also the uptrend. Talk to me about the 10-year yield. Talk to me about the inversion. And then let's hit that HYG, the high yield bond ETF. I would I would call it WAF in terms of the inversion. I won't tell you what the F is. You can figure it out though. But what do I I still think look, I understand to a certain point what's going on, but when you see 16, 17 basis points move in the two year, I mean again, it's suggestive that the bond market once again is way too volatile. I think and maybe I'm the only one that thinks this, but I still think, you know, I know you do as well, 10-year yields should be lower. I mean, if you just hear, if you listen to the commentary out of all these companies reported, now we're talking about job reductions at a lot of these companies. They're all speaking to a slowdown. Yields, the back end of the curve, again, my opinion, should not go higher in that environment. And if the broader market is going to break down, if... And if things are slowing down to the magnitude that I think they are, then almost by definition, Dan, 10-year yields should go lower. So I think you have the right trade. I think you have the right premise. Again, early in our business is wrong, but I still think there's going to be a significant move lower in the 10-year. And I think it's going to manifest itself in like twos, tens going to anywhere between minus 75 and minus 100 basis points, which again, I would submit is not particularly bullish. All right, let's talk about credit though, because this is one. Yeah, you know, let's do this. You thing. know, who was this. talking about credit long before anybody else, Dan? Nathan? <laughs> you were the HYG, the JNK, the LQD. These are all ETFs that track different. Um, you know, kind of. Um, I don't know. I guess what you call it, different parts of the credit markets here. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is one of the things. Despite the weakness in these, we haven't really seen that many situations that would cause, I, I think, you know, um, investors to kind of say there's something going on here. So talk to me why this is important to you? Well, I mean, again, if you think there's a Fed put in the S&P 500, think again. However, I do think there's going to be a Fed put in terms of the credit market because the credit markets are the engine behind it. The credit market seizes up. I'm not suggesting that's what's happening. But if it does, that's when the Federal Reserve and that's when central bankers take notice. And the thing that I look to gauge that and it's pretty simple, simplistic, but it's the HYG. And we have talked about this since the fall of last year and how this is an instrument you should absolutely watch to gauge the health of the market. Now, we didn't make a new low, but we're getting precariously close once again. Look at the price action today. And you know if this thing starts to dip below 70, then you really have to take notice. And I think central bankers will start to take notice. And I think more and more people will start talking about the credit market potentially coming unglued. So if your hope that the Fed is going to come to the rescue, forget about the S&P. 
The only way they come to the rescue is if the credit market starts to break down. And we're starting to see glimmers of that, Dan Nathan. Yes, we are. All right, Guy, this is probably one of your most I am favorite- so well-spoken today, man. It's like <clears throat> bang, bang. Like, I feel good. It's a Wednesday. I mean, a lot of shit's happening. I love you it. You look good. You're all knotted up. But yeah. this is also that moment on a Thursday. Oh, Thursday. It's actually a yeah. Thursday it's guy Wednesday, where Thursday. you just kind of, you just get all excited. It's yeah. just, it just, this is probably one of your favorite people um, out oh. there. Yeah. Well, the, well, the person we're going to bring oh. in right now. Oh, there. <clears throughs> well, bring her in, man. EY from SoFi. Look at that. She's got the gun show going. She's, you got the shades <laughs> down back there so the sun doesn't come in. I mean, what city are you in? Is this New York? Is this where? Where are you? I'm in my apartment. I'm in oh, Manhattan. Yes, right, so New I mean, York City. How do I know? How would Guys, I know that? Wait, wait, wait. I gotta, I gotta just point something out. Please. All the the big cap indexes are red today. Guess what's green? I'll give you one guess. <laughs> um, IYM, IWM, small That's caps. Correct. That yeah. is correct. Look at the yes, the Russell two K. Is green on G. All right, there you, yeah. you made you made your case. I mean, listen, you know, Liz, you heard us talking a little bit about just the underperformance of the Nasdaq over the last call it week or so versus the S and P. We could have thrown the Russell up there too, and it would have made the same case. Well, well you know, yesterday, guy and I were doing this at you know, it, you know, an hour before the Fed meeting, and we we're like, man, oh man, like look at how badly the mega caps were trading, and then some of those stocks in the tech market that are down seventy, you know, some percent or something. It really felt like you know rates were about to go higher and investors were positioning that way. Thoughts on that kind of setup? Yeah. So first of all, Fed meetings are like my Super Bowl. I get a Super Bowl every month almost. It's great. I love to watch what happens. And this one was sort of a collective eye roll for me because leading up to, I mean, for the whole month of October, all this narrative, which I found completely ridiculous about, we're going to have a pivot. We're going to have a pause. They're going to turn dovish. What, where did we come up with that? Where did people come up with that statement and that decisive, you know, we should rally on that statement. First of all, we shouldn't rally on that statement because that means that they would stop before inflation was taken care of. And I've been asked multiple times and I get fired up about this, what's worse, inflation or a recession? And Mm -hmm. the answer is unequivocally inflation, because if you leave that unattended, it puts us in a recession that's virtually unsolvable anyway. So you need to fix inflation. There's no other option. They couldn't turn dovish here. I don't think they can turn dovish in December. There still needs to be more cooling that happens in the economy. So the eye roll came because the comments that Jerome Powell made afterwards were still the same ones that he had made before. Yep. And actually, I think got even worse. The particular, excuse me, the particular comment that he made about we could go too far and then fix it, that got kind of swept under the rug and, and not covered enough. I think they fully intend to go too far. So anyway, that's my diatribe about the Fed. I don't know why we got all hyped up that they would do something dovish or pause or pivot. They clearly did not. Mm-hmm. And here we are with the markets having to reverse course. All right, so a couple takeaways from Swiss here. Number one, you will get a Super Bowl in February. Unfortunately, your team won't be there. They might be there as spectators. No, I mean, I'm just telling you, (laughs) that's number one. And, you know, if you think about the age of that team, I mean, this this could be a decade of just lost football in Wisconsin for both the University of and the Packers of Green Bay, number one. I mean, one. okay, let's not extrapolate one year into nine more, but I, I see Gotta what you're saying. start somewhere, sister. Maybe I, a couple. I've seen, this, I've seen this movie before, but I know yeah, how this You've ends seen more in of these the movies NFL than League I have. where they play for pay, number one. Number two, and this is sort of I'm, – I'm interested in your answers. I saw Melissa Lee today on the Today Show, and Savannah Guthrie has to ask, are we going in a recession? Because it's lazy. Let me ask you a question. 
Why do people fear it so much? Isn't it just a natural part of the business cycle? And isn't it a healthy part? And don't we have to go through it in order to get to the other side? Yeah, I think honestly, what people fear is the market reaction. They don't necessarily fear the recession itself because by the time, and and we'll see this this time, because now I think we've got so many more individual investors watching the market understanding how the market works and understanding how the economy works. Guys, we don't find out that we're in a recession until it's over. Mm -hmm. So by the time we actually know it, it's done and we've come out of it and they declare it. But the scary part for everybody is number one, the market and number two, the labor market. And we're just now hearing these announcements of layoffs. You're hearing it across tech. We got two more today from Lyft and from Stripe. That is going to continue, particularly in the tech sector, that's when people get scared. But you're right. A recession resets the business cycle. And that's why I think the one earlier this year did not count. We didn't reset the business cycle. And by the way, if we reset the business cycle, inflation goes away. So we need one in order to get back to that place. I think at this point, it is going to be so hard to avert a recession but I think it's also not something that is this huge Armageddon scenario. Yeah, but I, I think to your point, Liz, and I, I, you know, you make a great point, and we're starting to see that just the fear of a recession is the thing that would cause you know large corporations to start cutting jobs. Um, you know, there was an article in the Information this morning talking about Google's cloud growth in the September quarter was up three percent year over year, and you know, again, they're seeing a slowdown. They're seeing a slower commitment to deals. You know, AWS grew at a much higher pace, and and maybe they're you know like kind of bucking some of the trends. We also saw that weakness or, or relative deceleration in Microsoft. But those are the things that we've been talking about are likely to happen in a pre-recessionary environment. We're starting to see it, right? And so the one last thing I'll just say about the Fed is tomorrow morning, we have this October jobs data. I have to think that's going to be really hot, meaning that unemployment rate is not moving a whole heck of a lot, which is one of the reasons why the Fed you know, kind of sounded the way they did. Um, and I also thought it was funny that the first reaction when I was watching CNBC, they have this whole panel, like eight box or whatever. People got all geeked up. I was like, I don't know what you're seeing because it didn't look that uh, dovish to me. But did you guys, I mean, like it was really funny. And my first inclination when the market ripped was to buy puts in the QQQ. So, I mean, that was my trade. And part of that is I'm long some of these names as I just talked yeah. about. But again, we're never going to be able to figure out how to pick a bottom here. And maybe some of these mega caps and some of the prior leaders are getting close, but it is going going to be rocky, especially as the data, at least the earnings. And that's what we saw last week from these mega cap names. They are seeing meaningful deceleration and they're seeing investors very focused on high costs. Yeah. What, sorry, Guy, I'm just going to say one more thing. So between two o'clock and 2.30 p.m. Eastern time is the riskiest time to trade Fed comments mm -hmm. because the data comes out. So they say what they hiked. And then all you get at that point is headlines about the minutes that were released or about the statement that was released. You don't hear from Jerome Powell yet. So I think what happened between 2 and 2.30, the market got super excited. Everybody that was commenting on it got super excited. There was a story that came out that said the Fed signaled that they were entering end phase. <laughs> I don't know where that came from either, because I don't think they said that. And I didn't hear that in his comments. So that's what I think started the trading. And obviously, there was this kind of exuberance about it that Jerome Powell poured cold water all over, over and over again in his comments. So be careful if you're trying to, to trade anything that the Fed has done between the, the actual release of data and when he starts talking. Check out these comments on the YouTube, EY, from Arthur Magazu. 
EY bringing the heat today, man. I dig, <laughs> this is, I'm just reading comments here. I'm loving this stuff. I mean, people dig EY clearly. So you obviously write your note, and I know what goes on. After you have your lonely drink at a bar with nobody around you, which is <laughs> you know customary, you write this note. You get your footy pajamas on. And you should have said to me, you know, listen, when you're talking about the Packers, G-Swizz, Slow your roll there, brother, because that's the headline here. Slow your roll. So let's get right into it. Yeah. So actually, I use this statement all the time in real life, too. I've said a lot of this already, but slow your roll, it it was sort of used in two ways. First of all, people were expecting a slowing, which didn't happen. Even if they downshift in December, my point is, it's just a downshift. They're still hiking. A 50 basis point hike is a pretty big hike. So if we get that in December, that's still a big deal. And then we go into 2023 waiting for all of this to sort of bake through. I would also tell investors, keep in mind that there's a built-in pause in January. There is no Fed meeting scheduled in January. So barring some emergency meeting, nothing's going to happen in January. So we'll get the next one in February. So we sort of have that pause baked in. What we've seen in the labor market, and by the way, shameless plug, I will be on Squawk Box tomorrow on that eight-person panel when the jobs numbers are released. So watch, tune in. Uh, What we've seen in the labor market so far is that it's still pretty tight. And I think shocking to everybody was that job openings number earlier this week that was literally the estimates were off by 1 million, which that's the second month in a row, the estimates were off by 1 million. This time, openings ticked up again and shocking to everyone, like I said. So now here we are at a point where this ratio that the Fed watches, which is number of jobs open per unemployed worker, that ratio is back up to almost 1.9. They want it down to 1.2. So this told them, keep going, keep hiking, we still need to tighten further. And look, we've made a decent amount of progress on tightening. I fully acknowledge that. But financial conditions, as Jerome Powell stated yesterday, tighten first. So we're going to see that in the data first, which we absolutely are seeing. The economic stuff happens later. So I don't think they're slowing down anytime soon. The Brewers in Milwaukee used to play in the American League. They were subsequently moved without a lot of fanfare to the National League, because when you have a team like that, you can basically do whatever the hell you want. Obviously, that would never (laughs) happen with the Yankees, but neither of our teams are in the World Series. However, Uh. two teams are tied at two as the Phillies of Philadelphia were no hit last night by the Astros of Houston. But you have a little bit of a graph here, and you put this together. I'm sure you sort of snickered to yourself as you were doing it. So talk to me about this one, EY. I I lolled to myself while I was doing this. Mario did this one. I sent him my analyst. I sent him on an assignment. And this one was purely just to get you razzed. (laughs) So there's this ridiculous thing going around lately that when the Phillies are in the World Series and God forbid they win the World Series, that it means the market is going to crash because Mm. it has actually coincidentally, it has happened quite a few times in the past. (laughs) So this chart shows you. They went to the World Series and won it in 1929. I think we all know what happened in 1929. Happened again in 1980. They went to the series and won it. Market was down 27% after that. Happened again in 2008. They won it. And the market was down, obviously, after that. So here we are in another predicament. I think the good news here is that the market is already down. So if it goes down a little further, if the Phillies win it, maybe we felt most of the pain at this point. However. There is the superstition that if the Phillies win, we're headed for some kind of disaster and recession. I don't think it means 
a, a flying anything, but a flying Philly, but yeah, here, guy, a fly, flying Philly, a guy, fly, I don't tell, think it means a flying Philly, but it's fun to watch guy. Tell us you, you experienced all three of those market downdrafts. So in 19, in, when, in 1929, you know, yeah, I mean, that must've yeah. been, you know, the, the Philly athletics there and defeating the Cubs of, of the same, you know, the same America, the national yeah. league. What was that like? Guy? Was it a competitive series? You know, the Cubs won the one game, but the, I mean, the athletics really just dominated the entire series. I will tell you, though, back in, I do remember 1980 a lot better because I was just turning 50 and <laughs> that I really, the George Brett, uh, Kansas City Royals, the Phillies, they had some really great, it's interesting, I think that was Tug McGraw was on that team and his son is now obviously a big Philly fan. But what's really interesting about this is in 09, the Yankees played the Phillies and the Yankees yeah. summarily beat them. And if you recall, <clears throat> we started to come out of things subsequent to that World Series. So you better be crossing your freaking fingers out there, despite the fact that everybody except people in Houston hate the Astros. Correct. You better be rooting for them, I guess, if you want the market to continue to grow hey, listen, higher. Th- this is a, just a quick programming note. I, I really, I gotta be, I gotta dip at like at one twenty nine. Oh, no, no, okay, at one twenty nine. Go, but I, do you? No, think? no, but no, no. I got a couple minutes, but oh. but I, I I can't leave Thursday's market call without butters. I mean, like, oh, like that's do it. My, Let's get butters no, in, and then but, EY and I will just but, no. But that's know, we'll that's kind of my my jam here. Um, and you know, I was really actually fascinated last week. John Butters earnings insight blog. He had all that data about the energy sector's contribution to S and P five hundred earnings. If you took out a lot of the gains that you know we had had, um, you know, and then you start thinking about when it starts trailing off in Q two of twenty twenty three. If all this discussion that we're having about a recession, and now when we, I, I think we will all agree that most strategists still have like their their earnings estimates for S&P 500 are just too high for 2023 right now. So John this week is giving us a little preview of his earnings insight blog. He said that analysts are currently projecting flat earnings year over year for the S&P 500 for Q4 of this year, expecting earnings growth of 4.1% on September 30th and 9.1% on June 30th. So they're coming down. Okay. We're seeing that, but we really haven't seen it meaningfully come down for next year. And I just want to add, when you think about, okay, if we are at peak energy earnings, okay, if we are about to go into a global recession, we're going to see S&P earnings down year over year. And so some of these estimates that have come down over the last two quarters have not troughed yet. Liz, thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't think they've troughed at all. And, and I think this earnings season is only the first indication that all of the estimates and the optimism is still too high. So even just broadly looking at where the estimates are for 2023, we're about flat for growth over 2022. I think that has to turn negative at some point. But the real question is, what's going to happen to the market? How much pain will the market actually feel on those earnings estimates coming down. My take is that I think the market has a lot of the macro headwinds priced in. I don't think it has a lot of the earnings headwinds priced in quite yet. And once we start to hear both uh, announcements of layoffs, and I expect the labor market to really show some cracks by the end of the year, but couple announcements of layoffs with earnings revisions. And Mike Wilson has made this point a, a few times in the last week that companies aren't really forced to guide for 2023 until the end of 2022. So we just haven't heard it yet. And I think he's right. I think we're going to start to hear some bad guidance for 2023 at the same time as hearing layoff announcements, and that's going to hurt the market. 
We have made butters, as I said yesterday. I mean, Cher, Sting, Bono, uh, Sia. I can't even believe I just said that, by the way. Sia, I mean, that's, a, that's <laughs> EY a from SoFi. EY. Well, no, it's not. See, no, because she's not a, no? it's not a one name. Per, it's no. But we've like made Madonna. butters that type of person. EY from SoFi is something entirely different. Dan, I know you got to go. And, and EY and I are going to have some have some tomfoolery here. And I'm not asking you to play stock market with Apple, but let's pull up an Apple chart, specifically the one, Elizabeth, that shows us we're in this bit of a pennant formation. How important to the broader market without getting granular about Apple is Apple, in your opinion? You know what? I'm going to speak your language. I actually just did a podcast the other day where I, we tied sports to the market. Oh, I like and this. I compared Apple to the Buffalo Bills. If you're betting on the Super Bowl, okay, the Buffalo Bills, I think right now are 27% of the market of people betting that they're going to win the Super Bowl. That's kind of how Apple is. If you don't own Apple, you are so drastically different than the rest of the market, which it sometimes mm-hmm. might be good. I think it's one of those stocks that it's more of a risk not to own it. It is very important to the overall stock market. But the really interesting thing over the last few weeks has been that when you look at just the pain that mega cap has taken, especially mega cap tech, we've wondered for so long, can the market survive without mega cap tech? Well, it turns out it can. And I think that's good news for when we finally, if we go through a recession, we come out on the other side, if tech is still under pressure, it's good news that we're seeing breath in the market and we're seeing things other than Apple be the big outperformers. Yeah, I think that's exactly, look, I think that's exactly right. People are forced to be there. And what I said last Thursday, I believe, when Apple and Amazon reported on Fast Money, I said, look, the reason why Apple is actually bouncing on this, because it sub- it, the knee jerk was for it to go lower. It closed, I think, around 144. I think in the aftermarket, it was down to 138. And we obviously bounced, I think we were north of 156 the other day. And now here we are below 140. But I think it's exactly that, this flight to perceived quality, and yet have to be in it the same way you have to be with the Bills, who, listen, they could get bounced in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, we've seen that movie before without question. Before we leave here, um, when you're in these eight boxes, what's it like? Because I don't think I've ever found myself. It's in my contract that I'm not allowed <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's It can be tough. It can be tough to figure out who's next. There's a lot of talking over each other. You know, you got you got to almost strong arm your way into the conversation, which I'm not an interrupter, generally speaking. No, you're not. But those are the times when sometimes you got to interrupt. So we'll yeah, see. Maybe no, I'll, look, maybe I'll and have I look something forward, to say I, tomorrow. I dig it when you're, I mean, I tune in. I mean, I think it's great when the IC is on or when you're on. I mean, I think it's great. And I will say this here. This now that Dan's going, it's like when what do they say when the, what does that say? The cat's away or the something. Cats away, mice. The cat's away. The mice will yeah, play. We're we're the mice, and yeah, I mean, you know, we could take this shit on the road. I'm just saying, <laughs> but that's you know, that's just me talking. Anyway, maybe we will someday. You know something? Maybe we will. That's a tease in the business. But that's it for today's market call, <laughs> folks. Because EY's got a dip. I got to get in the car and go to New York City for a podcast, which drops on Friday. Wait for that. On your favorite podcast store. <laughs> By the way, dip means chew tobacco in my world. I don't chew tobacco. Stop so, it. No, that's no, what, that's but what it means. you know what? You knew people that did. I mean, in high school, there were probably sure. people that sat next to you with the little cup. 100%. I mean, it's disgusting, right? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Mouth cancer. Ugh. But that's it. <laughs> I want to thank our sponsors, Fact Set and SoFi. If you like today's show, 
leave a comment and, you know, subscribe to Risk Reversal Media. Why not? We're on the YouTube, by the way. A lot of you people watch it on YouTube. Special market call tomorrow. Dan Nathan, I might actually be there. I got to see what's going on. Carter Braxton Worth, 11 a.m. So tune in. Be there or be talked about. And check out EY on, on what show? The Squawk Box? Squawk Box tomorrow. 8.30 Eastern time, jobs numbers. Can I tell you, no, all kidding aside, you this is a as important a job numbers we had for a while. If you're mm-hmm. if you want to be bullish in the market, you better hope this number's a disaster because that's yep. the only saving grace at this point. That's just that's my true. opinion. One person's opinion. You know what? But as they say, as Led Zeppelin said, one one voice is clear above the din. I hope mine to be that. I know yours is, EY. So with that, later, people. Bye guys.